have a producer on this show who doesn't do the audio production side so much, but she does really help out with finding guests, booking guests, coming up with ideas for how to promote the show and other things for us to plug into. She's really awesome, and I feel horrible for never having mentioned her on this podcast. So Michael Ann Petrella, thank you so much for all of your work. Michael Ann's the one that first brought our guest today to my attention. Her name is Sammy Nichols. She works for Adweek. Uh, you might know her on Twitter because she started the hashtag talking about it, which highlights the need to openly talk about mental health issues, which, of course, we really need to do more of. <laughs> I'm a fan. We talk about a lot of mental health issues on this show, in fact. <laughs> um, anyway, so you should check her out on Twitter at Sammy Nichols. In this conversation, we talked a lot about her mom and her growing up, how her mom modeled what it's like to be a strong woman, but also one who's okay with asking for help. We also talked about her mom's reaction to the hashtag talking about it and whether her mom feels comfortable with Sammy talking about it. So we'll get into that here. One little note before we get into it, I was talking to Sammy on the phone and we had a few technical issues. So um, I basically ended up in my car with my phone on FaceTime with her and like propped up next to my computer. So the sound is not the sort of optimal studio sound that we usually have on this show because I am a weird, obsessive audio person. But I think you can still hear what Sammy's saying well enough. And I've been told that other people are not as bothered by phone noise as I am. So I hope that you all will put up with it for this one episode because I really think it's worth it to hear what Sammy has to say. Okay, I'm Amy Westervelt. And this is Tell Me About Your Mother. I'm curious to hear what your sort of first memory is of your mom as a kid. And it doesn't have to be like when you were three or whatever, but like what's a, a, a sort of key memory that really kind of stands out to you as like the first way that you remember your relationship with her? Right. Yeah. Um, I would say probably when I was in kindergarten, uh, because I was, I mean, there was definitely some earlier memories, but this is a big standout one. Uh, I was a really shy, anxious kid, like so much so. Um, I just was so nervous all the time. I was one of those people who would hide behind my parents, you know, I uh, had a hard time kind of getting to know people and making friends just because I didn't speak very much, like ended up in kindergarten. My teacher was kind of alarmed uh, at how little I was speaking. Yeah. Uh, and she was a little bit worried that there was something up until she realized I do know, I do know my shit. I just, <laughs> I just was afraid to speak. Um, uh, I was waiting for the bus and I was so nervous and my mom kind of got down on my level and said something along the lines of, you don't have to be nervous. All you have to do is smile at everyone and be nice and be kind and everyone will love you. Mm -hmm. And it's odd to think about that now because obviously, you know, women don't want to be told that they should smile. Like I don't want to be told that I should <laughs> right. smile. Right. Um, yeah. But the, the sentiment from how she said it felt more like just be loving to people, be kind to people, um, be compassionate to people. And, it's going to be fine. Just be friendly and you just don't hide. Just try to talk. And it kind of defined a lot of how I tried to uh, handle any sort of situations following. Um, mm -hmm. When I was nervous, I would just try to be as nice as I could to anyone as long as they deserved it. If yeah. they gave me any reason not be, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was definitely like one of those strong memories I have of just like very vividly looking into her face when she said it. That's really interesting. Um, 
I've been like talking to people about this a lot, the kindness thing that, cause I feel like there's been a little bit of a like, um, misunderstanding of being nice as being weak and you know like this whole kind of like backlash that's appropriate against you know people telling women to be nice and to smile and whatever but then I don't know sometimes I feel like we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. like it's okay to be nice it's actually like quite helpful in life you know <laughs> and, right um, and and kind of like the way people should be treating each other ideally you know so yeah yeah, yeah exactly it was kind of one of those things where my mom is somebody who like she she would tell anyone to fuck off if they screwed with her like she's not somebody she's not a pushover she's never been a pushover yeah so I think coming from her that's why I knew like I think that's why it defines so much for me that she said that of like I knew even that at that age that clearly she didn't mean be nice for no reason smile at everyone even if they're terrible to you right. smile if they tell you to smile just so that you're making them feel more comfortable I knew that that's not what she meant because I knew that she meant be good and kind to other people unless they give you reason to not be yeah uh, and that really def- I think that ended up really shaping my personality and shaping how I came out of my show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's interesting um what about do you have a specific moment in mind like where you um sort of thought of your mom as a person and not not just your mom yeah I I remember so when I was a kid I because my mom has always been an extremely like extremely strong woman she was uh, she essentially mothered her entire family because her parents weren't really around um she's mothered our I mean she was the rock of our family um, I think for some reason when I was a kid, I literally thought she was omniscient, like not hyperbolically. Like I, <laughs> but I feel like I think that she. It was probably right around um, when she, when I was in fourth grade. Um, her father had got a really aggressive form of cancer, mm. um, and he he did he ended up living for um, I think two years after he was diagnosed. But it was really rough for. Her. And, and since um, her older brother, he was dealing with some addiction issues at the time, mm-hmm. um, and he's since passed. Um, and then uh, hit her sister was uh, had like a lot of stuff going on in her life. So my mom ended up being the one who took care of both um, both my grandfather and my grandmother, who ended up getting cancer very shortly after him. Mm-hmm. And so she she had literal years of taking care of her parents as they were dying. Yeah. And I think the moment that I realized, oh, my God, this is a human who isn't just a superhero who can do anything and knows everything and is, you know, infallible, was when I was at my grandparent's house and my mom was vacuuming. And I walked in and she was crying really loudly because the vacuum was going and mm-hmm. she didn't think I could hear her. And I think that was the moment when I realized this is hard for her. Like, yeah. it's not... It seems ridiculous, but I was in fourth grade. I was sad. I knew that my grandpa was dying. I didn't really understand the concept of it because I'd never experienced death, really. Mm -hmm. But when I that was like a moment of my mom is crying. My mom is heartbroken. Yeah, and it made me. It felt like that really clicked into place. It was Mm -hmm. an odd reason for it too, but yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know how to ask this question without it sounding weird, so <laughs> apologies. But um, I'm all about weird. 
uh, like, do you feel like there were, like, what are some specific ways, I don't know, that your mom was a role model to you as a woman, that, like, you kind of picked up um, either, like, gender cues or um, ideas about, like, what women could and couldn't do, um, you know, things like that from your mom, from just watching her, interacting with her? I think she really, um, she really made it possible for me to realize that I don't have to have my life defined by men. Like, um, I grew up in a rural town, um, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, and a lot of families were defined by the fathers. Like, it would be whatever they wanted, it would be, they would go that way. Like, a lot of times I would barely hear my friend's mother speak. Like, it was just, there, it was the patriarchy was strong there. And um, my mom, I, I think this is why a lot of my friends always wanted to come to our house, even though, of course, we had our fair share of family issues. But friends always wanted to come to my house because my mom would be so honest and so, like, straightforward. She, like, my dad, of course, like, she respected my dad's opinions and always, you know, he always, of course, had a say. But she was the real head of the house in that she, she like, took care of finances like she uh would tell my dad off if he was being a jerk like Mm -hmm. she would tell us off and she she was not afraid of anything she didn't even she didn't get along with a lot of the mothers of my friends a lot of the mothers my friends actually didn't want them to hang out with me because Mm -hmm. they thought she (laughs) like yeah uh there was one particular family who they were very christian and uh they didn't like my mom at all they were just uh, both both well actually I guess it was just um just my friend's mother just thought that she was rude and she was uh loud and she took up too much space yeah and she wasn't the mother that you're supposed to be she wasn't the wife that you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. um and I feel like that really defined how a lot of my relationships uh, like uh romantic relationships went later of I kind of wouldn't let I mean, to a degree, I would, you know, try to do anything for a partner. But after a certain degree, I'd just be like, you know what? You're treating me like crap. Screw you. I'm out of here. And credit her for that, of teaching me from a very young age, you do not have to take anything from any man ever. Mm -hmm. Um, What about on the economic front? Was your mom, did your mom work when you were growing up? Or, um, I don't know, was, was she ever, like, contributing to, like, the family finances? So our family, um, we were pretty tight on money throughout my childhood. Um, my dad had this job at, um, he's still there. It's uh, Weber Lumber Incorporated. Mm-hmm. And uh, he worked almost exclusively when I was a kid. My, uh, my mom didn't work. She stayed at home with us until around, I think I was eight or nine. And she took a job um, and from then on, she worked anywhere from one to three jobs at a time mm-hmm. um, just to try to pad like our budget Mm -hmm. were there any dreams that she had for you that that um influenced either you know decisions about school or jobs or anything like that when I was a kid I would write stories and she really loved it she actually I mean I know a lot of writers say that their parents 
wanted them to go into something more practical. She was really excited about me writing. She was excited about my drawing. Um, I don't do anything professionally drawing, but I used to love drawing. But she, there was definitely times when she was like, you're not going to do that, but like, I'll support you. And it, like, I, at one, one point I wanted to have a pizzeria. At another point I wanted to have a massage therapist. Like she, and she was just like, sure. So I saw the talking about it hashtag, and I'm curious like what your mom thinks of that. I don't know, like if, if she's been good about talking about mental health in general or, or like supportive on that front. Yeah, she, um, she doesn't talk about it very much. Um, she's liked a lot of my mental health writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that, I think there might be a part of her that is worried that it's going to ruin opportunities for me down the line. That like people will think crazy or something. Right. I don't know. That could just be the impression I get sometimes. We don't talk about it a whole ton, which is ironic because it's called talking about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, she's she's always she's been good about especially because she knows um, I had had a for a late friend um, he was my best friend and I knew him for years and uh, he would often tell me uh, when he was thinking about committing suicide and I would call his mom and he eventually took his own life and I think she knows that partially it's inspired by that and yeah. that she wants to be able to uh, you know work through that in any way I can. Um, so she hasn't talked about it a whole ton. I just know that she, she's happy that I am doing it, but I do think part of her has that mentality of, like, back at home of, like, you don't talk about this stuff. You don't talk about uh, panic attacks. You don't talk about your medication to your employer. Right. Um, or, or in any, like, platform that your employer could see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is like a generational thing too. I feel like my parents are the same. They're very, they're, everyone in my family has mental health issues, but like, it's very like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. You know, and like even more on my dad's side, my dad like is very, has this very old idea of masculinity, you know, and like being like therapy, not being okay. And, and so like at one point he joined AA, but he's not an alcoholic, but I feel like it was like, uh, like sanctioned masculine group therapy for him. (laughs) That's really interesting and also really I know it's it's great that 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 like it exists but like so it's almost like not drinking has been sort of like the offshoot of that because that was the only way that he could like you know do it but I'm like but you didn't have a drinking problem (laughs) it's so funny yeah it's very strange um one way to have therapy without calling it therapy. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is really funny that he found this like loophole in uh, in like being able to go to therapy. <laughs> Whatever works, you know. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so on the like you you talked a little bit about the the relationship um, stuff before and how your mom kind of like laid the groundwork for you not feeling like you have to like stay in bad relationships or like put up with crap from men and whatever. Um, is there any part of um, like watching her when you were growing up that um, influenced how you felt about having kids one way or another? Um, I think that I've always been a little iffy on kids, at least in the last 10 years, I'd say, when it was even, like, something that was on my radar. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do think partially it's that I watched just how much effort my mom put into just taking care of other people constantly. Like, she she mothered my brother and me, but she also kind of mothered my dad because my dad... um, my dad isn't, like, as emotionally aware as she is. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's 
she uh, has taken care of her brother who um, he passed away a couple years ago, but he, um, he was always like kind of the one who could do whatever he wanted as, as kids. And he, uh, he got whatever he wanted and she would always be the one who, uh, even though she was like several years younger than him, she would always be the one to deal with stuff um, around the house when her parents were gone. Cause they were always traveling. They were never really around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she had her younger sister um, who was seven years younger than her. She literally named her like her mom was like, I don't know. And she was like, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and my mom took her prom dress shopping, like took her to doctor's appointments. Uh, so she was, she's always been that person who takes care of other people. And like, you know, if one of my friends is going through something and needs to get out of the house, uh, she like is the first person who's like, come here, stay here, I will yeah. make you dinner. Yeah. Um, and I think that part of that, like, I think that that's fantastic and wonderful and one of the many reasons why I admire her so much. But I also think that since I tend to be somebody, I tend to be somebody also who, um, tries to give everything I humanly can all the time. And sometimes it makes me wonder if, if, uh, when I have kids, if that would just be too much to handle. If, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at some point I would just not put myself first. And I do think that for a little bit, my mom didn't put herself first, like to an unhealthy level for herself and that like she was stressed and she was tired. But at one point she, um, got, uh, she finally got back into something that she was passionate about when she was a kid, which was horses. Um, yeah. And she, uh, even though we were tight on money, she managed to figure out a way to get, um, a horse. And, uh, she's had like two horses, I think total. And her current one is named rabbit. And she, uh, <laughs> you know, it's so cute. He's just afraid of everything. So his name is rabbit. Um, and so she goes to the barn whenever, like just the other, uh, I think it was five days ago was her birthday and she left work early and went to the barn and, uh, went on a trail ride and, um, she's really great at taking those moments for herself. Um, but I think part, part of the time, sometimes I wonder if, you know, since I always kind of, I've kind of taken after her in that way that I sometimes give too much of myself to the point where I burn out mm-hmm. and I don't, I, I sometimes hesitate about the concept of having kids about like whether I would kind of extend myself too far Mm -hmm. and I've kind of expressed that to I haven't expressed that exactly to her but I've expressed to her that I don't really know if I want to have kids and she's very not happy about that concept Uh, (laughs) and she's probably listened to this and be like why are you telling everyone this but (laughs) but uh, yeah she does not like the idea of me not having kids mainly because she wants to be a grandma yeah Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Are there things that you feel like, um, especially since you're a writer, are there things that you ever feel like you um, have to censor around your mom or things like, like I know um, I write too and there are definitely like stories that I'm I'm like holding for when my mother is not around <laughs> anymore. Because <laughs> I'm like, nope, it's just not worth it right now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Are there things like that that, that like you... Um, I don't know, like aspects of your life that you feel like you can't totally share with her or like things that you would maybe write about, um, but you know, she wouldn't like it or I don't know, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had like, I had that about, and this is like definitely a much more trivial, um, example of this, but, um, for a while I had a bunch of tattoos that I had been hiding from her for a while. Oh, that's and, so funny. <laughs> and I was supposed to be writing something about tattoos and I was like, oh shit, like, what am I going to do? Like, I need to write this, but like, she reads everything I write. Uh, and so then I just like sat her down and told her like, and like, I, I like smoked cigars and I just told her I had these tattoos. And then I ended up writing an article about, um, something about like why I hid my tattoos from my mother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just like extensively went into it about like, you know, 
very Jewish and she, uh, it's like a very, it's like a sensitive topic is uh, tattoos. And she's embraced the fact that I like my tattoos, um, but she's still like squeamish over the concept of me getting a half sleeve. But like then there's um, other <laughs> sort of things like we were very politically different, although she's a lot, she's become a lot more um, like liberally leaning recently you know mm-hmm. with everything happening yeah um, yeah trump you know the, the the whole the whole treatment of just jewish people and um mm-hmm. is just massively insulting to her yeah and so she, she voted for clinton even though she hates hillary yeah she, uh you know like like everyone in our town does but she voted for hillary clinton even though my dad had voted for trump and so then I started fe- feeling like, okay, I can write about politics a little bit more and not tell her, uh, or sorry, uh, not uh, expect to like get into arguments with her about it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And she's been very, very open about the fact that I, I, my job is essentially to write about, you know, anything that I feel is worth talking about. Yeah. Um, there have been, um, there's like probably like personal sorts of things like addiction that has run in both sides of our family that... I would ideally like to write about at some point, but I know that it would hurt her. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that it would bring up a lot of painful memories for her. Uh, so I've held off on it and I just haven't touched that topic. Yeah. Um, but mostly she, uh, there's definitely been times where there was some dissonance where I was starting to realize, oh, I'm not conservative like I thought I was in high school because that's all I knew. Like, yeah. uh, And there was a lot of dissonance surrounding that, but she's kind of realized oh, Sammy's made this into a career. It's it's okay if she disagrees with me. It's okay yeah. if we have different opinions, and it's okay if she shares them online. Yeah. Um, it definitely was a little uncomfortable. There was some growing pains for a while. Yeah. Um, were you raised uh, very religious? Um, like, did you guys go to temple and, and all of that? Or, like, um, I don't know. Like, how, what kind of role did that play growing up? No, we, we um, had a unconventional treatment of religion because my mom's side is Jewish um, and we didn't really explore that very much Um, and I think partially it's because uh, my grandparents on my mom's side would hold Passover and uh, (laughs) Rosh Hashanah and and, uh, Hanukkah celebrations at their place and it was really like I remember loving them like I felt so warm and happy and just felt like this was where I belonged Mm -hmm. and they died very early when I was in fourth grade and sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And, um, so then I think that, and then like not very long after my uncle had passed. And I think that, uh, partially having any of those sorts of connections to it hurt my mom. Um, because all, all of our celebrations were at my grandparents' house. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think we kind of steered away from that, but I also think it's partially that my dad is, like very starkly atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, very, uh, he's very scientific. He operates by science only. He kind of thinks religion is ridiculous. His parents are um, uh, Episcopalian, I think. I, I don't. I mean, we don't really. I don't really speak to them very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he's always been um, very. Uh, there is no God, or at least there's no way to prove it. Right. Um, and so we didn't really, we, we would do Christmas very intensely, like, but never religiously. It was always like we would go out, we would chop down our own tree, mm-hmm. we would decorate it. Um, but we did have this weird thing where um, kids in my school knew that I was Jewish and knew that my brother was Jewish. Mm-hmm. And so there was some uh, like times when my mom had to deal with the fact that, um, that 
at one point I was in elementary school and this girl stood up and pointed at me and screamed that I'm going to hell. Um, There was times when my brother's been called, uh, I don't know if I should say this in the podcast, but uh, Mm -hmm. he was called um, a kike at work like a bunch of times by different customers. Oh my God, that's horrible. Uh, Yeah, like the thing, I I wrote a big article about this, but um, essentially I don't, I look a lot like, more like my dad who's British. Yeah. uh, And my brother looks just like my mom. And so he gets a lot of visceral anti-Semitism to the point where, like, mm-hmm. when I heard that this had happened to him at work, he was, like, laughing about it. Like, he was like, ah, it's fine. And I was wow. sobbing. Like, I was crying because I had no idea that he had dealt with this his entire life. And I had just dealt with it in school when people knew, like, already that I was Jewish, but right. they didn't guess it, right? Right, so, right. So my mom would kind of, at times, just have to explain to us, this is how it is sometimes. Like, at least in this, like, in this world right now that we live in, like this is going to happen to you sometimes. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with being Jewish. It just means that some people are intolerant. Yeah. 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 And my mom would try really hard to shelter us from it. Like, um, that Mm -hmm. girl who had said that, um, her mother, um, talked to my mother on the phone. And at one point my mom was like, that's not okay. Like my daughter doesn't deserve that. And she went, you people, blah, blah, blah. And my mom use me like what (laughs) and like I think that you know this is something that is she's dealt with a lot and my dad had told me before after I had found out about my brother and was crying about it my dad had pulled me aside was like listen like it's scary like you look like me and I didn't realize that this was an issue until I married your mother and I started getting comments at work about the fact that I married a Jewish woman yeah um and they would insult her to my face. That's so and crazy. Yeah. It was, just, it was a very shocking thing because it's almost like I lived a lot of my life not even fully realizing it because my mom hit it. Like, she yeah. really did. Yeah. Okay, last question. Sorry, I know I've kept you on the phone for a long time. But, um, totally fine. What is, is there any particular argument that you and your mom have, like, that you kind of keep coming back to? I have a bit of a tenuous relationship with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I him very much but we butt heads we're very alike in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um we tend to really get into arguments all the time so a lot of it is her trying to mediate between us and so she and I get into fights of like I don't know why dad said that and you know she's like you need to understand that you know this is how your father is and he needs to understand this is how you are and yeah so we get into arguments about that um and like I, I love my dad, love him very much, but we often get into fights about my sexuality, about mm-hmm. um, dis- political disagreements, um, anything, anything can start anything. Yeah. Um, and she's always there to be like, Sammy, this is how your dad is. You need to remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we kind of, and I say, well, why can't he, you know, think of it from my perspective? And she's like, why can't you think of it from your or from his? And it's kind of like always been a bit of a a bit of a back and forth, a tug of war. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think my dad and I are trying to still figure that out and figure out how to uh, reconcile the fact that we are so similar and so different Mm -hmm. in very confusing ways. Um, But my mom and I always end up getting into that sort of fight. And otherwise, we really don't fight. We just kind of, you know, if one of of the other is being annoying, we're just like, hey, fuck off, stop it. And (laughs) and that's the end of it. Um, But that's probably the most sensitive sort of thing that we get into yeah 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 that makes sense actually that reminds me of another question I'm sorry um I'm also curious I've been asking like every person this about how like how their moms talk to them about sexuality and sex and like what I don't know like um 
what was like missing from that conversation, if anything? Yeah, um, my mom didn't talk to me about sex at all. Like, yeah. not even a, like did not approach the subject. Um, she had um, she had my half sister when she was seventeen, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, it ended up being my dad, which was mortifying. Oh my god. Oh, oh god. Uh, I hit puberty when I was sixteen because uh, I had been really sick when I was a kid. I got scarlet fever, and uh, and I don't know for sure. If, like I never really got this medic medic. Um, like I didn't really get a, a follow up opinion from a doctor when I was older but mm-hmm. uh, it seemed as though I had my growth was done for a couple of years um, I didn't grow for a long time I'm mm-hmm. very short I'm four foot ten yeah um, and I seemed to only hit puberty very late compared to everyone else um, which was odd because everyone in my family got their periods very young yeah um, so I do think it has something to do with it but anyway uh, I was 15 hadn't hit puberty yet Maybe I was even, it might have even been 14. Um, I just know I was not even thinking about sex. I was thinking <laughs> about, like, video games. Like, I was not thinking about anything <laughs> remotely involving anything like that. Yeah. And we were in the drive through for McDonald's, which oh, McDonald's no. has always been, like, a soft spot for me. Because when I was a kid, uh, I had lost a lot of weight from Scarlet Fever. And my mom would give me a ton of McDonald's to try to get up my weight. Which, like, obviously yeah. there's probably better ways to gain weight. But, like, that mm-hmm. was the thing that you knew I would eat. And, yeah. like, she was concerned about me not eating. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were in the drive-thru for McDonald's, and my dad was like, so, sex. Oh, and, God. Yeah, I was not prepared for this. I thought I had another year. Uh, so we never broached the topic. I remember at one point trying to kind of see what I could, like, talk to her about, because we really didn't have any other boundaries, like, everything else we could talk about. So at one point I mentioned something about sex with not even directly sex, like just something sexual with my boyfriend. And she got so uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> he like moved around in her seat and was like, let's talk about something else. Um, but by this point, I think, um, I think like, I, I think just, I can tell her something casually. Um, but I, you know, or I could ask her a question if I needed to, but I think we generally try to steer away from the topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, my mom also did not ever speak to me about sex. And then at one point, like I heard a, like a sex joke at school and I repeated it cause I didn't know it was a sex joke. And like, I just thought I was like, everyone really laughed at this. And so I'm going to tell it. And then my mom was like so upset because she was like, who told you that? And you know, and then like, it, it like it sparked this whole thing where she was like, Oh, I can't believe it. I thought I was going to be the one to tell you about those things. And meanwhile, like the whole time I was like, you can still tell me cause I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Yep, I, uh, there was a joke, actually, similarly, there was a joke book that had a, it was like, it was something like 101 Dirty Jokes or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I found it fascinating, because, like, I didn't understand what any of the jokes were, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand that almost every single one had, like, every other word, like, a very extreme curse word, and so I was like, hey, mom, why hear a joke? And it had to do with none stepping on a scale, and she, she was he was like, where the hell did you hear that? And like freaked out. And yeah, I, I very quickly realized not to tell those jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Sam.
Sammy's one of those people that I'm like, oh, me too, me too. I felt like I had a ton of things in common with her. And also weirdly, like she has a ton of things in common with my kids where I I feel like a little bit like I'm channeling her mother sometimes. (laughs) My five-year-old thinks that I literally have eyes in the back of my head. Uh, much the same as Sammy thought her mom was totally omniscient as a child. (laughs) So, you know, that gives you a little bit of a taste of what I'm like as a mom, I guess. Anyway, I really enjoyed talking to Sammy. She's doing some great work over at Adweek and also some really great work on Twitter. I think it's great that she's encouraging people to talk about mental health the same way that they do health issues in general. So yeah, check her out on there and on Adweek. And check us out tomorrow when we'll be back with another episode. Can you believe it? Season two is the best. Thanks for listening. Bye. Tell Me About Your Mother is produced by me, Amy Westervelt, with additional production help from Michael Ann Petrella and Natalie Wekeser. Our music is by B. Beeman, that's B-H-I-B-H-I-M-A-N, and original illustrations for each episode are drawn by James Guthman. You can follow us on Twitter at About Your Ma or on Insta at TMAMPOD, that's T-M-A-Y-M-P-O-D. We're part of the Critical Frequency Podcast Network. That's the network that I co-own with Maya Francis, another journalist. She and I really feel strongly about supporting women podcasters, and we hope you do too. If you feel the same, please check out our Patreon campaign. It's under Critical Frequency, and any donations there benefit all the podcasts on the network. So if you can give, please check it out. If you can only give a little bit of your time, we understand and we'll take it. Please give us a review or a rating at the podcast store or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us find listeners in the increasingly crowded world of podcasts. If you want to get in touch to suggest someone to interview or you have feedback for a show or just want to talk about your mom in general, feel free to shoot me a note anytime. I'm at amy at criticalfrequency.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. 